You are listening to episode 299 on University of Adversity. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the show. My name is Lance Isios. If you're just joining University of Adversity for the first time, welcome. All you regular listeners, welcome back. We got a great show ahead for you today. First off, I want to just say and acknowledge everybody who supported the crowdfunding campaign for my brand new book, Mastering Adversity. The pre-sales have started from March 1st. They go till April 1st. There's different packages. If you want to buy the single book or the bundles, there's coaching. There's a University of Adversity Summit. It's going to be really, really exciting. So you have the opportunity to take advantage of that. We're off to a great start. We got a lot of work to go still. We got to, you know, till the end of the month. So if you guys feel called and you've liked any of my work on this podcast or anything up until this point, I highly recommend checking this out. This book is going to be about taking my story, my crazy journey, all the things I've learned, you know, through, uh, you know, through my sports career, you know, through transitioning into, you know, the bar career, traveling, going into entrepreneurship, you know, tragic loss, dealing with addiction, all the stuff in my story combined with personal development and healing on how to transition and how to transform yourself by the adversity and becoming a master how at how adversity shows up in your life. It's going to be combined with all of the amazing guests, their powerful stories, their insight, and we're going to take it all. We're going to take the best stuff. We're going to take it all in, all the best insight, all the best stories and everything. And we're going to turn it into a book, a tangible resource for you to walk away with feeling inspired and educated. And that's the point of this. It's like, I want to give you guys more and I want to impact more people and build more community and do all the things to, to get more information and more help and inspire you in your life. I'm on a growth path of personal growth and transformation myself, and I want to help you do the same in your own life. So really exciting. All the information for the crowdfunding campaign will be in the show notes. Uh, and then it's also in my Instagram on, on the link tree. It's at the very top, super easy. You can go in there and click it. And if you guys have any questions, please DM me and it's, it's greatly appreciated. So today's conversation, today's interview with Wade Lightheart was incredible. This guy is so inspiring, so smart, and just so dialed in with what's going on in the world. And he, what he's doing with bio-optimizers is, is incredible. So the company is incredible. I'll tell you a little bit about him first and we'll get into the company. So he was a three-time all-natural bodybuilding champion who competed as a vegetarian He's a former Mr. Universe competitor and host of the Awesome Health podcast, which I was just recently on. If you guys want to check it out, it's episode 111. And yeah, we did the, the swap. So it's really cool to see the different perspectives. He's one of the world's leading premier authorities on natural nutrition and training methods. He's majored in sports science at the University of New Brunswick, fellow Canadian, and has authored numerous books on health, nutrition, exercise, which have sold in 80 countries. He also serves as an advisor to the American Anti-Cancer Institute and is the co-founder and president of BioOptimizers, which is a digestive and health optimization company. There we go, Wade, man. Good to see you again. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Great to be here. <laughs> Yeah. Great to have you, man. So, you know, for all of you that don't know, I was just on your incredible podcast, the awesome health podcast with 
such an awesome conversation. I got to go into my story, got to kind of talk to you about a lot of the things. And now this is what I love about podcasting is that we're able to make these connections and then kind of do a swap. Yeah. Kind of like learn more about you and what you're doing. Cause what you're doing with bio-optimizers and the company and everything is, is incredible. And I can't wait to kind of unpack that because there's so many people who are struggling with digestion issues. It's such a and bloating and gas and all the things. And it's such a key part in your well-being and how you look at life in general. Right. So I, I really want to dive into that. But before we'll do a little teaser of that, before we get into that, let's get in a bit of your backstory, because I know that you've had your share of adversity. So mm-hmm. take it back to wherever you want to start, wherever you feel would be a great place to start and walk us through a little bit on your journey of how you got to where you are today. Sure. Well, we have a shared uh, heritage as Canadians growing up in uh, Canada playing hockey. I grew up in the rural part of New Brunswick. Uh, Canada, which is up by Maine, which was a, and kind of played hockey and everything. But when I was 15, my whole life changed. My parents moved from the small town that we were living in to a, like a no town. It was five miles to my nearest neighbor on a, up a dirt road, up a mountain. Uh, the telephone poles ended at my door. And uh, so I was removed from a lot of the things that I was very passionate about, my friends, all the, the lifestyle that I was used to. And I had a lot of time to spend by myself. The other thing is I was um, my sister at the same time, who was four years my senior, was diagnosed with uh, Hodgkin's disease, which is a form of cancer of the lymph nodes. And I watched her go through the medical model over the next four years before she died at the age of 22. So right there, I learned that your life isn't a guarantee and your health isn't a guarantee. And when she got the diagnosis, so all this, we moved, she got the diagnosis, and then she also gave me a book a magazine at the time, it was a muscle and fitness. It had Troy Zuclato, who had just won Mr. California, two pretty girls in bikinis on the on the cover and driven mad with testosterone. I was like, man, maybe I better get some of these muscles. I was um, smaller than most like, the kids around me. And so I built a gym in my barn and started training. Arnold Schwarzenegger at the time was the the, the, the number one highest paid actor in the world, world famous, making movies, making money, competed at Mr. Universes. And I decided that I was going to start going down that route. And he said three things in that book that I, I thought was unique in education of a bodybuilder. He said that you could achieve anything you wanted in life if you're willing to have a positive attitude, have self-discipline and work hard. And now everybody I knew around me was working hard in kind of a rural environment, you know, whether it was fishing or in the forestry industry or farming, like it was, it was hard work. Everybody's all beat up by the time they're 40, 50 years old, they're, they're, they're done. Their bodies are spent. And uh, I said, you know, I wanted a different path for me. So I started learning those things, went to university, studied exercise physiology at the university of New Brunswick. And then that was a very compartmentalized lifestyle. So they taught you a lot about different components, but there was no synergies. There was no, hey, this is the way to go. And so I took it upon myself at that point to just find mentors while working my way through virtually every area of the health and fitness industry. I was a sponsored uh, athlete. I ended up working at a nutrition store and then I became, uh, managed a gym uh, became a personal trainer while developing my bodybuilding career. And in 1998, uh, my bodybuilding career hit its first peak, which was I had 
qualified, won a provincial championship, and then won the national championships or went to the national championships in 1998. And at that time, uh, Dorian Yates and um, Ronnie Coleman were, Dorian Yates was kind of winding down his career and Dorian Yates or, or Ronnie Coleman was starting up. And objectively looking at myself, I was like, God, you know, I don't think there's anything I can do to beat a Ronnie Coleman. It doesn't matter how much drugs I do or this I do. And what I recognize is the sport had become essentially a drug cult. And I didn't want to be part of that. That's not what I got into the sport of bodybuilding. Bodybuilding for me was never, was always about an internal kind of almost mystical discipline that I was into. And, and so I left it. I started my, um, uh, I started, that's when I opened up my juice bar at little supplement store and, and, and my personal training career took, took off because I had the physique and, and, and the credentials behind me. And then a couple of years later, I got into meditation and there was a book called the Holy science that said, Hey, if you want to really get to the highest levels of meditation, you, 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 want to try a plant-based diet because it will reduce the, the stimulation on the nervous system, which is pretty radical as a bodybuilder. It's like, what are you talking about? I mean, that's nuts. It's the totally counter of everything I'd learned up to that point. I said, but uh, hey, you know what? I'll experiment with it. I'll try it. So I tried it for two weeks, went plant-based two weeks, then went two more weeks after that. Didn't dry up and blow away. I was worried about that. And then went a month and I was like, well, I'll go another month. I went two months and Never ate meat again. I just said, I guess that was it. So I'm not a vigilante vegan or anything like that, but it was something that worked for me. And I did notice some benefits in regards to my meditation stuff. And then um, another interesting point I have, I was reading some teachings from my spiritual teacher. And he said, it's something that you really desire that's right for you. Even if it doesn't exist, it will be created for you if you follow the in inner path. And I'm like, well, that's a pretty radical statement. I always wanted to compete at the Mr. Universe contest. That didn't happen because of all of these things that I thought were the circumstances of reason why drugs all stuff. But drug-free competitions had just started out. And I said, hey, man, let's give that a shot. So I did. And uh, two years later, I, was, uh, I had won all my, uh, my local and my Westerns and the national championships because I'd lived in Vancouver at that time. And ended up uh, at the Mr. Universe in Mumbai, India in 2003. And the funny part was about that. So I hit the zenith, 16 years of bodybuilding. I hit the zenith of the sport. Didn't win, of course. I wasn't on the drugs and all that sort of stuff, but that didn't matter. I kind of stayed true to my, my inner values. But after that contest, I was trying to do bodybuilding with what I call a meat-eating mentality. And it was an absolute disaster. I gained 42 pounds of fat and water in 11 weeks. So I went from Mr. Universe to Mr. Marshmallow. Met a doctor. His name was Dr. Michael O'Brien, who was the epitome of health. He was in his 70s. He had overcome cirrhosis of the liver. He had overcome colon cancer. He had helped Bernard Jensen recover from cancer when he was in his 80s. He had had this laundry list of people that he had rebuilt from the inside out. He gave a seminar that totally blew my mind. I'd never seen anybody like this guy. And I'm like, I went up to him after. I'm like, hey, what am I doing wrong? I've got the best coach in the world. I've got Spartan discipline. I've hit the zenith of my sport and I'm a physical wreck. And he said something to me that changed my life forever. And he said, Wade, you've learned to build the body from the outside in. I'm going to teach you how to build the body from the inside out. 
And I did, I followed his program. I learned about enzymes and probiotics and digestive health and the conversion of nutrients. And even as a classically trained sports nutritionist, we had not learned, we, enzymes and probiotics were something that were glossed over 20 years ago. Nobody talked about this stuff. And so I got into it uh, myself, my business partner, Matt Gallant, um, we embraced his whole program and protocol. And in six months, I hit a new level of vitality and capability and energy. We started a business. We coached over 15,000 people over the next four years and got a whole bunch of clinical data of experimenting with high-performance athletes. I opened a clinic in Vancouver that dealt with all kinds of different health challenges that people have. We would apply the same things in high-performance work for people in states of dis-ease. And then um, four years later, I came back got ready for the national championships again, applied everything I knew, won both my categories, went back to the worlds, came fifth in the world, didn't have the blow up afterwards, didn't fall apart, felt great the whole time, didn't suffer like all the other athletes are doing. And I was like, okay, we got something that is unique. It's different. It's powerful. And we're going to take it to the world. And we've been doing that ever since. And that gave birth eventually to our company today by optimizers. So that's the whole story in a nutshell. Oh man, what a story. Oh, so there's so much I want to talk about there. So the, the bodybuilding industry, and I was just like, it's interesting to hear the timeline because yeah, like the late, the nineties and early two thousands and just like how different the conversation was like, cause I remember, you know, I did steroids and it completely ruined my career in mm -hmm. hockey. Right. I, I, I wanted to, I wanted to get, big and strong and I didn't know what I was doing and it completely it blew me up I was like 225 pounds and like one summer was such a stupid thing to do but it was like back then it wasn't about getting ripped and lean it was like getting big and it's like so many people were trying to get like massive and the stuff that we would put in our bodies, man, like the protein powders and crap was just like it's garbage. It's and like, you'd get this, like, and everybody would call them like protein shits and protein farts. It's like, you know, sorry guys for being graphic, but it's the it, truth, right? Oh, like you go into a, you go into a like, gym change room, man. You could barely, the paint's peeling off the walls. And, right. Yeah. And, and it was just like such a strange time. You know, everybody is talking about, because this is so interesting how the timeline around 2000s, you know, that's when I did it. And everybody's talking about, you know, pumping yourselves full of creatine, protein, like nobody knows what they're doing. And there was no talk about enzymes, digestive enzymes, like gut health. There was nope. none of that. And the fact that there has to be the distinction between natural bodybuilding and regular bodybuilding is just so crazy because it's like, why would you want to do it any other way than natural? Like, it's like, you know what I mean? It's like, I look at it. I'm like, I look back now and it just seems crazy. And that's so awesome that you were able to stay true to your values of like doing it the right way. You know, like that in that era, it was, that would have been such a challenging thing to do because there's so much temptation. It says a lot about your character because you know, you guys listening, like at those times, like everybody was taking the shit. Like, like Oh yeah. Like I was, I was, I was, um, my peers thought I was crazy. I was made fun of my coach thought I'd lost my mind. 
Um, the, even when I was doing the natural route, they were encouraging me to do what many of my competitors were doing, which was just beating the tests. Yeah. And uh, I said, no. And the funny part is, you know, I, when I went to the Mr. Universe, I only placed 13th, which is still okay, can, all things considered, especially with my genetics, because I had no business being a bodybuilder. Um, but I stayed true to myself and I felt good about that, even though I knew I was going to lose. I just did it anyways, because I wanted to just get there and do what I did. At that event in Mumbai, a couple of interesting things happened. When I landed, I landed at like two or three in the morning. I haven't told this story. Uh, I landed at two or three in the morning and there was a group from the Hindustan Times, the number one paper in, in, in India, waiting for people. And I was this Canadian guy that came out. And so these guys grabbed me from the airport and then they found out I was this vegetarian meditating guy. They're like, well, this is a trip. And they said, can we do an interview? So I ended up, and I ended up on the front page of the sporting section in India, not because I was the best bodybuilder, but because I had followed these, these kind of what I felt was true to myself. I, I don't want to say ethical because, or, or moral because they were, just, they were just the things that I wanted to do, but they, they came true. Like my spiritual teacher had said, these, these miraculous things happened. And, and they were fascinated because... Um, in 19, when I left the, uh, the, the drug-induced sport in 1998, there was a period between there and, and 2002, which you didn't talk about. But in 2000, I went off the rails partying. I mean, I went deep down to drugs and underground partying, got mixed up with the wrong people, almost lost my life. It got real bad, real crazy. And that's when my spiritual teacher showed up in my life. Uh, at, at that point, at that, at the lowest point and, you know, coming around of it, part of my goal of doing drug tested competitions was like, Hey, this is a way that I would have forced leverage on myself not to do anything that was, you know, slip back into that dysfunctional lifestyle. And later on, my coach said that was just the morning of the loss of my career. And it's quite common amongst athletes when, when they, when the dream kind of ends, and uh, it's, it's even common amongst pros, Olympic, ex-Olympic athletes, all these or people that have a high level of collegiate athletes, all these stuff. It's very common that you get into some mourning process. He was a trained sociologist, which I think was interesting. And then coming around and then after the Mr. Universe, Matt, my current business partner, says to me, dude, I have never heard of anybody that's a vegetarian bodybuilding guy that went to the world championships we could build an online business and sell courses to people. And I'm like, nobody's making money online. That's crazy. He's like, no, I got online. <laughs> and it's like, I didn't even own a computer. I built, built my first course on a, uh, do you remember? I don't know if you guys remember those internet cafes. Oh yeah, I, man. I didn't own a computer, didn't own a laptop. I wrote the course on an internet cafe. We started selling it. We started making money out of the gate. So I might be the only person in the world that had a successful online internet business and didn't even own a computer at the time. Wow. That's such a cool story, man. Because yeah, back then it was a different world. Things shifted a lot in the last 20 years, man. You know, it's, it's pretty insane when you think about it. There's something there you brought up um, about life after sports or life after the athlete. And you, you nailed it because... I went through the same thing. 
Yeah. And you become this person and you have your eyes on the prize and your whole identity is based around this athlete. You get rewarded for performance. You get all this, you get all these things, you get earn these accolades. And then when it's over, it's like, now what? And if you don't have the tools, which most didn't growing up, you don't have the tools of like, Hey, maybe this isn't going to work out. Like, you know, there's a chance and to like, there's, you're going to need tools. You're going to need to reinvent yourself because whether you make it or not, like it's important to be able to pivot. And it's so common amongst athletes to go down that spiral into the shit, into the darkness, into the drugs, alcohol. Cause it's like, well, who am I now? I'm nobody. I'm a failure. You know, and I just think that's such an interesting transition from life after sports into the next thing. And what's interesting is like when the get watching somebody come out of that, because you see a lot of professional athletes go into that darkness. Yeah. And, you know, one of my, one of my buddies, good friends, Joe Holly played in the NFL and his program, one of his programs is, is helping guys do that, go into the next the next level, which is like, what do you do after being an athlete? And it's interesting to see what people decide, like, how long do you want to sit in that, in that, that, in that area of self-loathing and destruction before you decide, all right, you know, I worthy of more success. I've created this already. Why can't I do it again? Right. So it's so interesting to hear you because, you know, I can fully relate. And I spent years in that space, man like feeling sorry for myself and not knowing like what's next, you know? Yeah. It's a, it's, it's such an interesting dichotomy because the principles of becoming uh, a great athlete, whether you make it to the top of the food chain or not are very applicable in other areas. Mm. However, so few athletes when they come out of their sport, recognize that they got to start at the beginning, but they have the process, they have the mindset, they've just got to learn to move it into a direction. Hey, I'm going to do this in business. And I, I was fortunate. I had a, you know, my spiritual teacher was a very big help and I, I bought into that, but I had uh, one of my coaching clients, one of my personal training, he was a very successful business man. And he, be, he became um, a mentor of mine and he's still a mentor of mine today. And he said to me something that struck me funny because uh, I, I was admiring his business success. I'm like, wow, you, you made all this money and you've had all the success and you know all these people. And I was like, wow, that's really cool. And he said to me one day, he's like, no, what, what you've done is way harder than anything I've done. And I was like, what are you talking about? I was from a very blue collar, you know, um, we weren't, we didn't have money. We didn't have any of those things. We had a lot of love and a good home environment in that aspect, but we were at the bottom of the ladder in, in, in Canada and which is still better than most of the world, but still it's like, we did, you know, building a business, no one ever built a business. No one ever went to college. No one had any, like all that stuff was kind of, uh, I don't know about that kind of thing. And so I had to really shift my gears and that little, you never know when a little word of encouragement can really make a difference in someone's life. So I always try and throw those out wherever I go. Cause a lot of people are just, they just need that little, need that little nudge that, Hey, you could possibly do this and entertain that possibility. Yeah. That's a great point because I think that is what this kid, this just came up to me is that that makes a great leader 
being a great leader is seeing these things in people and being able to pull it out of them, right? Like, because people have asked me before, like, what makes a great leader? And for me, the best coaches, the best leaders, whatever, whatever you call them, are the ones that can see the things in you that you may not fully see yourself. Correct. And they could pull that out and they know how to push that. And I think that's so important to be able to do that with people. You know, when you know that, because sometimes we assume that people can see themselves the way we see them. And we're like, don't you see? But they don't, they lack it. You know, I know that myself, someone, you know, when I doubt myself, someone's like, do you not see like what you're, and I'm like, fuck, yeah, you're right, okay. But sometimes you just need that. And I think that's really important in really like encouraging people because it's so easy to get stuck comparing yourself to everybody or because you failed in the past that, or because you learned a lesson and didn't work out in your favor that now in the present moment, that's the way it's going to be. Right. Yeah. Really powerful. And I think my, my, my best quality was that things never came easy to me. Like, I mean, I didn't win my first bodybuilding show for 10 years. Mm. People, I was asked on a business podcast not that long ago. I was like, what, w- what was the number one reasons for your success? And I was like, I don't know. I think it was, I was either too stupid or too stubborn to quit. Mm. And they thought it was making a joke. But I was actually, that's actually the truth. <laughs> you know, you it's like, think, yeah, I just didn't know any better. <laughs> do you, do you think though, well, th- in my perspective that your spiritual practice that you were had in your life kept you grounded and focused on the goal, right? Like how much did that help you? Because so many people get into things and they don't have a center point. They don't have something that they can like connect to and like, you know, visualize and they just, they fail because they're, they're not able to really have that with themselves. Like how much did that help you in creating what you've created? It's everything because I would say up to that point, the, the, the accolades or the benefits of success was not built on foundational principles. You were just kind of going along what was expected or within the context of the world. And if you do that, no matter how much money or fame or possessions or whatever you have, there's no meaning in it at a certain point. And so when I cultivated a spiritual practice and through meditation, meditation, contemplation, spiritual study, what happened is all of those things that came, whether they came fast or, or sometimes they went and all that sort of stuff, there was a deeper and richer perspective on everything in life. First and foremost, I recognized, uh, I, I, I got to the point where I recognized, hey, everything that we have here is borrowed. Mm. If I own a house, right? Okay, well, at some point I'm gonna die. Well, do I own that house anymore? No. I never owned the house. I'm just borrowing it. If I've got some fame, am I really famous? No, it's only going to be for a while. If I've got money, can I take that with me? No. If I've got friends, can I take those with me? No. So you get, you deal with the absolute peace that Western civilization avoids. And that is 
the movie, the song, the journey, whatever, is, has got an end point where we don't really know what happens at that point of death, that the cessation of physical evidence. And many of these things are distractions from the absolute reality that we all have to face. And I believe the cultivation of a spiritual practice allows you to get to that point and work backwards from there which cultivates a level of appreciation, gratitude, and a sensation of presence that, you know, every time I see my friend, it's one time closer to the last time I see them. Every time I have a, 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 a little bit more success, it's like, well, how am I stewarding that? Am I, am, I, am I using that to be some miserly person? Or am I sharing that with everybody in my life? You know, all of those, everything is temporal. And when you have a, a, a cultivation of an inner awareness and an inner direction and an inner practice inside your life, then you have so much more to give, no matter if the world's kicking you the teeth and you got no money and you, you're living on a street of broken dreams. It doesn't matter because it's like, ah, it's just this, it's just this scene in the movie. Just the best part of the movie. The best part of the movie is not when they win. It's like, why do people love Rocky Balboa? It's not because it's the part where he, he, he's down, but you're cheering for him because he's coming back up. And I think we all relate to that in the hero's journey. And so why not be the hero? And sometimes there's dragons and burnt villages. And sometimes there's uh, treasures of gold and, uh, you know, damsels who want to marry you. you know, it's all coming and going like the tide. Yeah, that hero's journey, it's... Yeah, it's the, and you know, it's funny because I've talked to a lot of people about this and some of the pro athletes and other people I've talked about is like, it's, it's the come up. It's like the come up that they, they love. And then once they're there, it's like, oh shit, like this is it. <laughs> right. Yes. And it's because there's not enough of that, that foundation built, like, you know, the gratitude practice and meditation. It's like, it's not the thing that we're searching, the, the accolades, the success, the money. That's, there's always going to be the next thing to chase. Correct. It's, it's the journey itself is what actually gives you the reward and the fulfillment that you seek. It's like yeah. overcoming that thing, the adversity, the challenge, the struggle. It's like, oh, shit, I did it. That feeling of not knowing how to do it and doing it is like, it's like those little rewards that we get in our lives. And man, it's, and I just don't think that enough people learn that it's like, and I, the world's changing now, you know, a lot of people are getting better at that, but you hear it all the time. It's like these people chasing the next thing, the next thing isn't going to give you what you think it's going to give you. No, it's not. So it's, it's not what you acquire or what you get or who acknowledgement it's, it's the becoming the becoming the, the development of the innate skills and abilities that you may have or aptitudes and, and bringing them to their full forth. Just very much like a, you know, an acorn isn't going to be anything other than an oak tree, but you've got to cultivate the conditions in order to grow that. Mm. And we celebrate the mighty oak, but it was once an acorn. And, it, and if you set that acorn on a table, mm. It can sit there for 200 years. 
Mm. And it'll never become an oak. You've got to learn to become a gardener of your life and cultivate the right conditions so your own natural inclinations, abilities, and gifts blossom forth. And you get to determine that. So is a daffodil better or worse than an oak tree? No. They're just different. And so, and I think we can celebrate that. I can enjoy a daffodil. I can enjoy an oak tree. I can enjoy an ice cream. What a thing is, is it. That's it. And I think that's where daily contemplation, spiritual practice, inner work, meditation, and removing what I would say the baggage of uh, a highly stuff-oriented life, because we're all, you know, basically all, most marketing says, if you're not worthy, unless you have X, Y, Z, and this is going to make you feel better, and it does temporarily, but then you need another hit. It's like it's, a, it's, an, it's its own drug. And so if you get lucky enough of practicing that, then you find your mission in life. And you, you realize, in, in my case, you know, my mission is to help end physical suffering and activate biologically optimized health. And that's what my company does. That's what we do. That's what wakes me up in the morning. I don't need the money. I certainly don't need any kind of fame. I got lots of great friends. I mean, all that stuff. But when I, Monday morning, we read out the testimonials to our team. There's a little old lady in Idaho who suffered from digestive issues for 35 years and now she can go out with her friends to play bridge because she's not embarrassed that she's gonna you know crap in her pants mm. or there's someone who's been on you know prescription medications for 20 years and they're off it or someone that didn't have a stable neurochemistry and now it's balanced or someone who had horrible skin conditions and they they found that they were you know not confident dealing with you know getting in a relationship and now they have that because they've overcome that i love that stuff we read it out to our team that, that's what gets me going i don't i don't care about the numbers i mean they, they have to work but it's the people that i get really excited about because i remember when i was that 15 year old kid with a bunch of hopes and dreams and a whole bunch of questions and and now i'm able to answer them not necessarily for the whole world but for my 15 year old self coming through other 15 or 20 year olds or 20 years all those areas i can really relate to because i've been there i've done that i know what that's like and i can really connect with my own self to the expansion of other people yeah i love that man your guys is what you got going on is is beautiful it's it's such an important thing that is so overlooked and yeah like that feeling of getting feedback when you change someone's life. I mean, that's what it all is. That's what it's all about. I mean, on a small scale, you know, for, for me, you know, someone says that an episode or something they heard really helped them. Like those little things, those are the wins, man. Those are the things that keep us going. And like, I can only imagine as you guys start to just continue to grow and impact more people, like what amazing fuel that is. Like, well, even the fact, just, just for the set, I mean, just stop for a minute and just think about why do we as humans get a biochemical response mechanism that feels good when we help other people? Why is that cooked into our biochemistry in the first place? So it seems that there is an innate design in the universe itself 
for us to reach out and connect with other people in a social structure, in a business structure, in a, in a relationship, structure, whatever those, those connections are that has a reward system that makes us want to do more of it. That's, that in itself is pretty amazing. And one of my teachers talks about when he had people that he was an advanced psychiatrist and he used to take people who were really suffering from depression or things like that. He's like, okay, I'm not going to treat you unless you get a dog or a cat. I'm like, why? He says, you need to care about something other than yourself. Mm, that's such a good point. And <laughs> half the people would be corrected just by getting a dog or a cat because it got them out of their sad story. They had somebody that got up in the morning they had to take care of and they started getting a positive biochemical feedback loop because they fed the cat and the cat purred or they, they took the dog out for a pee in the park and they enjoyed, they saw the daffodils, which they were, you know, focused on the, the sucky aspects of the life, which may very well be real. But can you find that little bit of connection or joy or happiness in the worst situations? And, and Dr. Jordan Peterson talks about it. He goes, when you see a cat or a dog, pet it because it's just a recognition that there's some little piece that you can find in the worst moments of life that, that will give you hope and keep you going to lead you to the next piece. And I think that's, a, that's, that's, that's where we connect as humans. And it's beautiful. So true. Gonna have to contemplate on that, man, because that point about having something other than you, like even a plant or an animal, it's so important. Something so simple like that. I think a lot of people miss and <laughs> he wouldn't work with you unless you had that. It's, it makes total sense. And so I, before we move on, I want to really, I really want to like pinpoint something here with bio-optimizers and just for the listeners out there who are curious as to gut health. And if they're sort of new, they've heard the buzz, they've heard that healthy gut, leaky gut, all the terms. First of all, what causes digestion issues? Like what, right. what are the main things that people in everyday life are putting in their bodies or doing to cause, to wreak havoc on their digestive system? Here's a, here's this is going to blow people's minds. It's the unintended consequences of technological innovation over the last 80 years. And if you go back to World War II, at the turn of the century, 98% of the people grew their own food, had their own animals, all that sort of stuff. And, and you got all your food in a local environment in a relatively whole state. In 1945, the United States dropped a nuclear bomb on Japan, two of them, as a matter of fact, and ushered in the end of the war. And after that, because of the war ushered in technological innovation, radio and telecommunications, the movement of uh, shipping all over the world, planes, what happened is people started moving from the farms and rural areas and things like that. They started moving into cities and taking on manufacturing jobs in the production. And the United States became the dominant uh, manufacturing arm of the entire world and also the promotionary arm of the world and went all around the world. So now people wanted coffee from South America. They wanted orange juice from Florida. They wanted, uh, you know, pizza from Italy. They wanted cars from Detroit. You know, this started to happen, which we take 
for granted nowadays. Now, what happened, there was also an explosion in the population. All these people started having all these kids. There was more money. There was more vibrant things were happening. And so the governments of the world started to realize like, whoa, wait, we're going to run out of food. So they decided to incorporate government uh, run uh, food boards and production, agricultural boards and regulatory. And we had to get all these different staples. We had so much wheat and so much potatoes and so much soy and so much rice and so much grain and all these kind of different things. And they started moving into large monoculture corporate manufacturing institutions from the rural farm. And then the old days, you'd grow carrots this year and potatoes next year and peas next year, and you would row crop rotate. Then you would grow hemp one year, plow it into the, sound, into the ground, let the microbes rework that soil for a year, go fallow for a year, and then you'd start the cycle again. But when they went to monoculture farming, they started producing just massive amounts of these standardized crops. And what happened is the food quality started to go down. So they, they took the leftover nitrogen, because they still couldn't meet the food supply demands, which was left over from the old bombs, put that on the soil because it grew the food better. Well, it grew the food faster, but the nutrient quality went down. The plants gave up protein content, which was part of their protective mechanism against pests. It gave up that to make enzymes and they used the enzyme trying to get the minerals and the vitamins out of the soil, which wasn't there anymore after so many years of soil degradation. So guess what? The plants started to get infected. Pests started, bugs, you know, blight, all these things. So then they went, oh, what are we gonna do now? Well, we're gonna invent all these chemicals. We're gonna put herbicides and pesticides and fungicides on the food, which actually disrupt the enzymatic and bacterial that are innate with these foods, which you needed for digestion. And so we took that and then because we were shipping stuff all over the, all over the place, we pasteurized everything and then we packaged it and we irradiated it. And then we added food colorings and food dyes and food additives for taste because it tasted like garbage and wasn't, it had any nutritional value. And then people started to get fatter and sicker and we started using pharmaceuticals and antibiotics in order to deal with things that we used to deal with food. And so now 80 years later, if you were to get a peach today, you, or, you would, or a peach in 1955, you would need over 50 peaches today to get the same nutrient con content of one peach then. That's not on top of all the frankenfoods, all the chemicals, all the GMOs, all those chemicals which disrupted all that other stuff. We're ingesting this every day, whether we like it or not. The USDA, even on organics, have 50 different chemicals inside the body. Now, in order to digest our food, there's five main stages, the taste, touch, smell the food, chew the food, food then comes into the upper cardiac portion of the stomach. It's got 30 to 60 minutes where the enzymes present on the food is supposed to break it down. Then hydrochloric comes in to disinfect the food, change the pH, activate some enzymes, deactivate other. It then goes out of the intestines into the, uh, in uh, into the intestinal tract where the, the, the bacteria, which we live in a symbiotic relationship with, will convert that food into energy units or building blocks. Any disruption in the enzymes, low hydrochloric acid, or an improper amount of the essential probiotics that used for those conversions result in what? It results in our inability to make neurotransmitters to make us happy, to make our run our brains properly and run our immune systems, the inability to convert certain foods into energy units. So we have undigested rotting food that feeds bad bacteria, which puts all these 
other neurotoxins inside our system and it weakens our immune system overall. And then we start gaining weight, we get skin conditions, we can't focus, we get ADHD, we uh, are running all over the place, we have concentration issues, all these sort of things start to happen as a result of a progressive degeneration away from our food and a progressive degeneration of the optimal functioning of our digestive system because we're the only species on the planet that cooks our food, that eliminates all the bacteria and eliminates all the enzymes. We're the only species that puts chemicals all on our food and we're the only species who makes these genetically modified foods which the millions of years of evolution haven't adapted to digest. So all of these lead to digestive distress and it's exactly why in 2003, when I was using like cheap, ineffective proteins and things like that, I just had a buildup of undigested proteins. My joints hurt, my brain was foggy. I gained all that weight after the unit. And I, and I was supposed to be like the guy. I mean, I had people, like I had a trainer, like I had all the things and I, and I didn't know what I didn't know. And that's why once I figured it out, thanks to that chance meeting, I was like, I gotta go on a mission because I know where the train is going for humanity. I knew it then, it's gotten worse. I mean, right now today, 13% of, of the emergency hospital visits are gastrointestinal related issues. A hundred million people, that's a third of the population in the United States are suffering from digestive stress on any given day. 25% of those are on prescription medication and the list keeps growing. And there's a lot of evidence that heart disease, diabetes and cancer are also related to auto intoxication and the inability to convert what they're eating into the healthy, healthy components and the associative damage that many of those foods are doing to the body. So I'm on a mission and we have been at Bioptimizers ever since that, that, that chance meeting with that doctor and said, obviously we were put in this place. We're gonna continue doing this to the end of our days because we know that if we don't, the generations to come are in real, real trouble because they won't even show up. They, they, they won't, we won't make it. And we see that happening now. Wow. It's incredible. It's mind boggling. There's so many words for that. What would you say is the biggest culprit today that people put in their bodies like that, that is causing the most havoc that maybe three things that people should eliminate today that would, you know, at least help bring down some, uh, some inflammation or some gut issues. Where, where do you see that? Like, what are three things yeah. you think are the most important? I would say the most common elements for people, um, trans fatty acids, the, the damage from those is, is horrific. So fried foods, essentially everything that's fried, everything that tastes good. Um, I would say gluten products for a lot of people just can't digest it. It becomes a real problem uh, for people. And then I would say genetically modified foods. And for a, and, and concordant to that, I would say a lot of the dairy proteins that people can't break down. Those, those are the four horsemen of the apocalypse, mm -hmm. <laughs> I think, for digestion wise. And then, um, and then a reliance on pharmaceutical drugs, drugs which mask the symptoms, but don't treat the cause. Yeah. I mean, a lot of, yeah, a lot of that stuff ups any sort of that medication throws the gut off completely. 
<laughs> Correct. And it causes you to have to take other things. Yeah. So trans fat. So let's, let's break that down just for people. So things such as canola oil, cottonseed oil, like all that, yeah. like what are some of the oils? Because well, you just nailed it with yeah. some of the big ones. I think canola oil is probably the biggest one. It used to be called rapeseed oil. <laughs> um, it doesn't metabolize by the body very well. Um, it's, 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 it's an absolute, uh, it should be banned. I think, I think it's terrible for people. Um, anything that's been fried. So any, even a good fat, if it's been in a deep fat fryer, it mutates the, the, the structure of that. And, and there's two things that happen. It creates such havoc in the body. Our body releases heroin like chemicals in our brain that we then become addicted to. Right. We, we don't, we, we don't become addicted to the food. We addicted, we get, we become addicted to the drug response inside our inner pharmacy to it. Mm. I think that's a, that's a real problem um, for people. I think there's so many people that just can't handle gluten um, particular. So if you're going to eat gluten and, and you can, you can um, minimize the effects through the use of enzymes and things like that as you make the transition. But the more that you get that stuff out of your diet, the better off that you're going to be in the long run. Mm. And genetically modified foods. The, the, rea the reality is, is the, the total collateral damage of that, we just don't know. Mm. Um, mm. It's undetermined. What is your ideal plate look like? Like what is your, when you know you want to win and you want to have, this is like, this is the power food. This is like, I'm going to yep. own the day today. What does your plate look like? Great. Um, very simple. So I'll, I'll, I'll run you through uh, yesterday, let's say. So um, this morning was, uh, or in the morning I had uh, some fruit, in, in the morning, along with uh, 50 grams of pea, pumpkin, and hemp protein with some essential fatty acids, right? I, I used some Udo's oil in combination with that, had that. Then in the afternoon, I had an ancient green uh, quinoa dish with some steamed vegetables, potatoes. Later in the day, I had some um, unadulterated handful of nuts when I was having a snack. And in the evening, um, we made uh, some, some, some really nice uh, tempeh with uh, potatoes and carrots, steamed vegetables and a big salad, again, with a little bit of uh, essential, uh, essential oil on top of that and some vinegar and, and some seasonings. And so that was my day. Mm. And uh, Felt great all day, felt powered up, took enzymes and probiotics with each one of those meals and some hydrochloric acid to make sure I had full digestion. And yeah, it's like every day is kind of the same. That doesn't mean I don't go out like Super Bowl comes up, sporting event. Yeah, I go and I hog down with the rest of them, you know, I, don't get me wrong. I'm not some perfect citizen. I, I slug back the chips and dip and, you know, I, I, I tell all all my friends say I get the, like the best snacks ever because I get these like kind of ultra pristine organic ultra expensive mm -hmm. snacks yeah. <laughs> but i still love all that stuff you know what i mean like but i do have the digestive aids in order that i can i can break it down utilize it and eliminate any of the waste products so i minimize the damage yeah that's what i was going to say it's like if you set yourself up 
for success in your gut. You can handle that stuff and it's not going to wreak as much havoc on your body, right? Correct. Correct. And I've got mitigations for just about everything. Like we create gluten enzymes. Yeah. We create a proteolytic enzyme. We can, we can digest anything. We've got a keto. We got probiotics that'll break down any undigested proteins, which cause inflammatory responses. You, we've got probiotics that optimize your neurochemicals and your brain. Like we, We've been on a mission of that because we know that everybody's not going to be perfect. We don't mm. expect that. How do you manage the way the world is as it is and do the best that you can? Mm. Um, well, not becoming a social recluse. Mm. Yeah. I, I mean, your products are amazing. And I'm not just saying that, like when I look at them and I was like thinking about like the, the process and why you have these certain things, it's awesome, man, because like you have different protocols for people for gut health and like different stacks. I really like how you guys have stacks and you have like the information on like, you know, how to do the stacks together. And I think it's really useful for people because everybody's got different goals. Correct. And, and it's fun to do a stack. Like it's fun it to pair, pair up like, okay, you know, and I encourage you guys to go check this out because like there's different ones for focus or digestion, or if you had, I think, what was that one that if you have like, a heavy gluten meal or something that may have yeah gluten guardian yeah yeah I mean, it's, it, it's got dipeptidyl peptidase four which is the only enzyme they know that breaks down gluten mm. so we just we put the the highest legal dose you can possibly put in it without a pharmaceutical prescription and people go i used to suffer from gluten problems now i eat that stuff i take three four cats before i go out to dinner and hey i'm fine mm. so are you still vegetarian do you still are you yeah. still off the yeah yeah. Yeah. I try not to label myself as anything. Because yeah, I know it's, yeah, it's, but I, but I haven't eaten any flesh. I still will have cheese occasionally. Like I like to have a slice of pizza here and there and, mm -hmm. or occasionally I'll have some ice cream at a restaurant or things like that, you know? So mm -hmm. I'm not like crazy about it, but yeah, don't, and I'll have eggs yeah. from time to time. So yeah, no, I mean, it's, we're all human. And what I like about what you're doing is like, we're not perfect, right? No. Like we're, we're gonna, we're gonna make mistakes. And I think that is half the reason why people fail in diets and that kind of stuff. Or just like, they have this expectations that it has to be perfect. And then that feeling of making a mistake is like counterproductive because then you end up falling off going down the deep end and I've done it so many times. Mm -hmm. I'm like, Oh, well, I'm not fully committed. So I'm just going to go and just like order two large pizzas. Correct. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, it's all right. You know, but if you have the tools to kind of build that in your gut, I think it's really important. Right. And you know, what I wanted to kind of ask you as well is like, I know you talked about some people um, testimonials or, you know, but is there anybody you don't have to get specific, but anything that stands out like a story of like, let's say health adversity where like you had them when they, you, you knew them when they started and then you kind of started to help them with their gut. And then they're just like a completely different human. Is there like something that stands oh, out? I've got so many. Uh, I'll take one of um, a girl I was dating back in the day. She was a, a, a former, um, she was a former, classical dancer had gotten into the fitness industry so externally you would say wow she's got everything going on but she suffered from inflammation uh chronic yeast infections skin issues when we met up and everything um inability to focus brain things really 
uh, depression that came out of it. And she'd use all these crazy condiments. And, and so she had a good, what I would say, external, uh, you know, what you would, you know, she had good genetics, you know, the, the perfect genetics for structurally that you would all, you would look at this person and think, wow, I, well, I love to look like that or have that kind of physique or body, but she was suffering. And then it started to go sideways. And I introduced her to all these concepts. And within one year, all the skin conditions went away. The chronic yeast infections went away. Her ability to focus, she developed a new career. Um, she, she, she ended up developing a whole new life and, and started now uh, teaching other people how to do that. And she's extremely successful in helping other women lose weight and, and get into their top shape and, and to develop a kind of a balanced focus of life and to overcome neurochemical imbalances. And so I, I watched that whole journey. And then the funny part is, is so many times we will look at somebody or we'll, whether it's a famous person or a fit person or someone that we admire, and, and we kind of ascribe that they have some perfect life, but they're suffering on some level, just like everybody else. And, and, and she was, and, and uh, she made that transformation. So that was, a, that was an awesome story that I watched from start to, to, to finish. And, and now she's um, developed a wonderful career in the industry, which is, which is great. And is an advocate for the products, obviously, but that's, that's a, that's an extra cherry on top. Um, that's really cool. Right. Man. I mean, there's so many people that can benefit from that. Mm -hmm. Like the gut is everything. And I'm, it's, it must've been, it must've been fun for you as, cause you've been doing that, you know, planting those seeds about that, you know, the gut being so important and then kind of watching everybody sort of evolve and sort of buy into it because it's, it's been a real process over the last few years, you know, cause I really got into this, this world probably back in like 2009, 2010, Dr. Joe Mercola, you know, then Dave yeah. Asprey, Bulletproof. Yeah. And like, that was the time, you know, Ben Greenfield, all these guys. And like back then, that was when I remember hearing about it. And it's just been interesting to see it develop is to like what people thought was the reason, what was important to now, you know, you're doing, you're, you're really focusing on the gut and like how people are buying into that. That must, how does that feel to see that, that, that shift? Oh, it's amazing because, you know, Matt and I didn't even pay ourselves for 10 years. We went through all the challenges of the entrepreneur, but we were so clear on the mission that we never gave up even when it was dark, even didn't work. I mean, our products are at the premium level. We don't cut corners when we, we make products that work. And we don't have the margin of other supplement companies. We make it so people don't have the risk when they try it. If, they, if, if they're not blown away, it doesn't fix their problem. We just give them their money back. We give them the education Amazing. around it. We, <laughs> you know, like we, we, we just really de-risk de the whole thing because we're committed to it. And we, we can only help the people that we can help. We're clear about that. But we stayed with it because our own lives were transformed so much. And, and the people around us, that we dealt with their transformers. So we were like, we, we can't quit just because we're not making any money. Doesn't, we can't quit. We got to keep going just because we, we, we always kept going because the mission drove us. And, you know, now it's like worldwide success and we get all the accolades and all this sort of stuff. But you know what? I still put my pants on the same way. Yeah. I still eat the same food. You know, my address changed a little bit. The car you drive changed a little bit. That's it. Yeah. You know, that, like all that other stuff. But the, the, the fact that I know that they're right now, 
listening on this podcast, there's people suffering. I know I can help. I know when I walk down the street and see people on the street, I know there's people I can help. There's people that, you know, I'll get on a, a podcast or an advertisement or a clickbait or, or run into people or whatever. I, I know I can make a difference in their life because I understand this, this part of the human existence story. I've gone through it and I've seen tens of thousands of people go through and have their lives transformed. Mm. So I know that there's literally millions more out there to be helped that are looking for answers or don't even know what the problem is that I've got to get this message out. So when I wake up every day, I'm thinking about those people and this is my purpose in life. This is my existence. This is my mission. This is what I'm supposed to do. We're here to help optimize humans in a technologically advanced world. So we, we need tech to counter the tech, mm. right? It, like, yeah, I mean, it's, I love that. It's so, I love how clear you are. And it's, it's amazing, dude, because it's such an important thing. And you also have, um, so I, I just want to ask one more question about these products, about your magnesium, because your magnesium is well known as the best. You Correct. see it promoted everywhere. I mean, I've seen JP Sears be promoting it like crazy. Yeah. If you guys haven't checked it out, like, why is this so good? Why is this important? How does that tie into the gut health? Because man, when I, I tried it, I did it for a while. It's excellent. Like magnesium is something I need to calm myself down, you know, to be able to sleep, to be able to like in this chaotic world, how does that all tie into gut health? Well, you know, again, the importance of, finding mentors and people who have been there, done that. One of the things that I learned through farming practices in North America is that magnesium is the most deficient mineral in our food supply in North America. Second thing is, is there's been a big marketing campaign for the last 40 years that you need calcium and calcium and magnesium exists in a two to one ratio and magnesium being the control. So when people have a lot of calcium in their diets and low magnesium, you start dumping calcium out of the body, which isn't a good thing either. The third thing on top of this, in a highly technological world where we're subjected to uh, electromagnetic radiation and cell phones, from cell phones and electricity and all this stuff, our burn rate of magnesium is much higher than our ancestors. So we're deficient. We've got, we're taking in too much of one mineral and not enough of that. And we need an increased demand of magnesium because magnesium is responsible for over 600 different essential metabolic processes inside our body, including the manufacture of neurotransmitters, the down regulation of our nervous system, and the reduction of things like it's the relaxation response inside our muscles. So when you get cramping, oftentimes it's an imbalance between magnesium. You're, if people have uh, heart rates that get offbeat, you know, uh, that that's because of magnesium deficiencies oftentimes. And so I was at a bulletproof conference five, six years ago and uh, the strength sensei, uh, Dr. Charles Poliquin was giving a lecture, one of the best lectures I've ever had. And of course he's world renowned for training gold medalists in 27 different sports. Think about that. And one of the secrets that he revealed in that seminar, he said that with his high performance Olympic athletes who are pumping out so much output, it's, it's, it's just amazing what these guys can produce. They had unique demands on their nervous system. And he said, one of the things is they would deplete 
magnesium levels. And to keep them pumping at that rate, they needed more magnesium. And he said there was different types of magnesium that were uptake by different parts of the body. And I was like, that's great. Now, being a high output kind of guy, so I, I watched that. So I was like, oh, that's cool. That's really interesting. But I was running three different businesses, living in a foreign country, grinding. I, I'd literally worked for two years straight, 14 hours a day, so much that when I was wanting to take a, an afternoon off to watch a football game in the playoffs, I felt guilty for sitting there for the three hours during the game. I had to like, work myself and, and I got really stressed out and burned out. I was using stimulants um, in order to keep going, you know, running on the caffeine trail and uh, I would say nervous system stimulating nootropics and things like that to keep the brain going. And I thought, hey, I'm an athlete, I can do it. I'm grinding, I'm finding we're an entrepreneur. We just keep going. And I burnt out, I blew out my adrenals. My nervous system was down, my brain wasn't out. I wasn't myself, I wasn't in the mood, didn't have the drive. And then a little reminder came in from that webinar. I was like, God, maybe I look into magnesium. I did a spectra cell test. My magnesium levels were absolutely in the toilet. And my ND says, you need some magnesium. So then I said, well, what magnesiums do I need? Well, it turns out there's all these different types of magnesiums. Now being in the nutritional supplement industry, I know that there's a big difference in quality and direction. And, and then that seminar is like, well, I need to reverse it. So me and Matt went crazy as we always do when we get into something. And we, we, we bought every kind of magnesium on the market. I literally had my whole counter with all these different types of magnesiums. And then we got spreadsheets and we started, okay, how much can I dose up on this one before I get the runs? You know, and, then, and we started charting these. And then we, we narrowed it down to seven different magnesiums that seemed to be uptaken by the body that didn't give you the runs and that we could load up into the system because there's another thing we call the bucket theory of nutrition. It's in the awesome health course that we give away, which in orthomolecular nutrition, you want to dose up till you get the optimal, like you, you kind of systematically increase the dosage till you can't tolerate anymore. And then you titrate back down till you live just the amount that you want. It's kind of like if you have a hole in the bucket, it's your burn rate. You don't want to just put a, what you're burning. You want to fill the bucket up and then you only have to put in what you're using in your lifestyle is the kind of the whole, it's the whole series, theories behind it. And came from Abraham Hoffer and Dr. Linus Pauling and Dr. David Hawkins who developed all those protocols in the seventies. So we applied it to magnesium and all of a sudden I started sleeping better. My mood started to come back. I started feeling good. I started to relax. I said, it's like, wait a second, maybe I should drop one of these businesses. I need to kind of build a new life, right? My, you know, my relationships got like, everything got better. And so we took all those things and said, well, I'm tired of spending all this money a month on all these different magnesiums and trying to do like a algorithmic mathematical equation to figure out how to do this. Why don't we build our own? Well, we ran into some problems. It's like, why didn't everybody build like a magnesium to help them? Well, the problem is, is that the different magnesiums have different sizes and they don't all fill it into a pill that well. So we we made the fir first, they stick together. We don't want to put any, what they call um, excipients, which are the flow regulators that allow things and all that magnesium stearate and polymorph of this and all these kind of silicon dioxide. These things aren't good for you. And we don't put that stuff in any other side. So we're like, well, we need to write, we need to write flow regulator. 
So we got that in there, but then the capsules wouldn't fold. We couldn't, and then we couldn't get the right machine to, to let it flow through. So we had to solve all these problems to make this product. And when we finally did, we're like, oh, we made it, yay. Well, maybe somebody might want to buy it. Well, we started selling it and people started going crazy. They like, dude, I need more of this magnesium. I feel calm, I'm sleeping better. You know, my sex life is better. Like, it's like really one of those like, oh, I can't believe this. Is this really true? Is it really? And, and then I got the full grasp of how deficient the whole world was on magnesium. This wasn't something that was just me dealing with. It was something that everybody was dealing with. And that quickly became one of the best selling products in Bioptimizer's history. And uh, I mean, it, it's just, it's, it's, it's been kind of remarkable. We didn't plan on it. It came again out of my own dysfunction. <laughs> you know, if I hadn't have messed up, if I didn't go through that low, I never would have found out about magnesium. If I hadn't attended that seminar, it wouldn't have happened. So these, a system of what looked like unrelated events and challenges that led to a breakthrough. And I think that's true with everybody's discovery in life. Like your biggest obstacle is your biggest opportunity. That little thing that you, you went to think and you didn't know you got much out of something, there might've been one little kernel that eventually leads the seed to sprout a, a tree of abundance in your life years later. And that's what happened in magnesium. Your biggest obstacle is your biggest opportunity. Dude, it's so true. And yeah, man, so much value in this. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. There's so many levels there that people can get value from. This was super grateful to have you on and to, you know, connected with you and this amazing, this amazing journey, man, because I love connecting with people that are on such a great mission and being able to, you know, help people. And we're all doing it in different ways, you know, it's, yep. it's great, man. So if, People want to find out more about you. They want to learn more about Bioptimizers, what you guys offer, where can they check you out and walk us through that process a little bit. Yeah. If they go um, to www.masszymes.com slash adversity, they can get a 10% discount. Again, we give a, and even if you go there, you can go to bioptimizers.com, whatever, put that in get the course i give away my awesome health course which is a systematic structure of how you approach health it's the awesome formula you know that we're on instagram facebook all that my team handles all that sort of stuff but that's mm. you, we want to start with the course whether you get the products or not so not that relevant because you can't just randomly shotgun products you need you can't supplement your way out of a bad lifestyle but there's so much confusion about first principles and after 30 years in this industry i built a system of first principles we don't get the supplements to like the fifth part of the series mm -hmm. you know we address the first principles and, and if they do that i think they'll get started and they can follow us and try it and if they want to try one of our products like I said, we de-risk it. We show you how to use it. We show you how to optimize it. And if it doesn't blow you away, it's not the best one you ever took. We just give you your money back. It's just really that simple. <laughs> Love it, man. It's, uh, and of course your podcast, the awesome health podcast. Yes. And we had the awesome health podcast, which I think your edition just went out <laughs> the other day. Yeah, it did. One last question before we just end this and wrap it up. I ask everybody out of all your journey, all the adversity, what is one lesson that adversity has taught you? Well, I'll, I'll paraphrase the great Winston Churchill, who 
was the sole person to stand up against maybe the most horrific empire that almost took over the entire world, the Nazi regime. And he said, he gave a lecture, I believe it was at some famous Ivy League university. He walked onto the stage and they said, well, what do you have to say? And he looked into the audience and he said, never give up, never give up, never give up. Drop the mic and walked off the stage. <laughs> well said, my friend. Well said. Dude, thank you so much, man. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Great to be here. And uh, I, I really appreciate all your work and I wish you the best of success. And next time you're out to Venice, California, make sure you drop by and uh, hang out here and shoot a game of stick here at pool. And um, we'll, 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 we'll nootropic, nootropic you up and uh, we'll have a lot of fun. <laughs> Dude, I'm 100% going to hit you up on that, man. For sure. Absolutely. Um, it's going to be great. Wade Lightheart, everybody. So we unpacked a lot you get some insight into the deep part of Wade's story and his journey through this entire thing and how he discovered bio-optimizers. And it's really interesting to hear him talk about it because I can relate with the industry, the supplement industry and everything in between from, you know, the nineties until late two thousands where there was just, it was a different conversation. And if you were natural bodybuilder or just being natural, it was almost like frowned upon. And he explains, you know, why he did it and how important it is for your health. And nowadays it's more like, nobody wants to put that shit in their bodies. If you do like, you know, you're, you're going to wreak havoc and you're going to, it's, you're not going to perform well. You know, there's so many people that, um, don't have the right gut health, don't have the right, um, the right things in their body. And it causes a lot of problems, right? Our gut is connected to our brain and talk about adversity. Like if you're facing a situation, a challenging situation, and you're putting shit in your body, well, you're not going to be able to look at that situation from empowerment. You're going to probably be a victim. You're going to, cause you're, you're not feeling good. So that's why this, these conversations about health and what do we put in our body and how we take care of our gut is so important because if you're feeling good and your body feels good, every situation you look at is going to be easier because you're, you're feeling good, right? Like why not give yourself a chance? So this conversation was incredible. So if you really want to learn about digestion, want to learn about um, what to put in your body, what wreaks havoc on your, your, your gut bacteria and how to fix it. This is the episode for you. I really believe that everybody listening to the show can get a lot out of this. I know some episodes aren't for everybody, but this one is like, add this to your list of, of uh, must listens because it's super, super valuable. Take, get out a notepad and pen, a paper, whatever, or copy it in your notes. I highly, highly recommend it. And you, you guys, if you are new to the show, please leave us a review on Apple if you get value from it. And if you aren't subscribed, hit the subscribe button. If you're watching this on YouTube, please subscribe there. And we love to see the comments and keep this thing rolling. Also, make sure we'll have in the show notes all of Wade's in, uh, information and bio-optimizer. And there's a, there's a discount code for you there that you guys can take advantage of. 
So, and I highly recommend it. The, these, this, this company and these products are incredible. So that's enough for me. Enjoy the episode, everybody. Wade Lightheart coming right up. Thanks, everybody. Please leave us a review if you got value from this on Apple. It really helps. Also, hit the subscribe button wherever you're listening to this so that you get notified for the when the episodes come out and leave a comment on YouTube if you got value. We also have an episode on the Awesome Health Podcast together, Wade and I, so go check out that. And he's got amazing guests also. And bio-optimizers, I can't say enough good things about this company. Go check it out. Follow him on Instagram. All the information is in the show notes. And yeah, Wade's a great guy and his story is so inspiring. He's just such an authentic dude with lots of values and, and it's, it's really, really awesome. So thanks everybody. Make sure to go check out the crowdfunding campaign as well. If you do, if you get value from this podcast and you like the work that I do, I really support, I really am reaching out to all of you to help support this. We're trying to build this. We are building this community, this tribe for University of Adversity to be able to impact more people, to be able to help inspire personal transformation and growth worldwide and the healing and, and all of this stuff comes from sharing your truth, being vulnerable. And we're going to, we're packaging all that into a book with all the guests I've had, all my story, so that you can have a tangible resource that you can use to get through what you're going through and speed up the process of your struggle to break through as soon as possible. So I love you guys. All the information to check out. Wade is in the show notes. All the stuff to check out. The crowdfunding campaign for my brand new book, Mastering Adversity, is in the show notes as well for the crowdfunding campaign. Much love, everybody. Catch you next time.